The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you trusting, trusting that your word is living and active, that it is in fact sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces through to, between marrow and spirit, Lord God. And so we come to your word today trusting that you want to speak to us through it, that you have a word of involvement uh, that, that will catch us up, Lord, that will bless us, that will sanctify us, that will draw us close to you and help us to put away those things that we place before you. Lord, we live in a world that is full of temptation. And we pray, God, that you would give us the strength uh, to love you more than we love those things. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are taking a look at the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Handouts coming around. Make sure you sign in. Make sure you sign in. So there were, um, uh, this past week we were at, uh, we were at Camp Weed for the clergy conference and I overheard a conversation between four priests and, um, and they were just talking about confessing to one another their biggest temptations. And one of them kind of went first reluctantly and just said, my big temptation is that I should not, there, I look at pictures I should not look at. In fact, I even sub, uh, subscribed to Sports Illustrated just so I would get the swimsuit edition. And the other three kind of shook their head, but but the second said, that's that's. I mean, that's pretty bad, but I'll tell you what, I, I really struggle with alcohol, and I, even last week, I broke into the Sacramento line, and uh, uh, right on my lunch break, it was, I just felt so guilty, and the third said, well, that's bad, but I think mine is worse, he said, gambling, you know, I just, um, last Saturday, I went to the, uh, to the track and, and, and gambled away all of the uh, loose offering from the collection plate at the racetrack. And the fourth said, well, those are bad. Mine may be worst of all. It's gossip. But if uh, you'll excuse me, I have to go make a phone call. (laughs) I'm on a roll this morning. What is is temptation? Temptation. We we look at uh, Jesus' goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Let me ask you, what is temptation? Besides a really good Motown name. Like alluring. Alluring. Something that lures us. What else? That's a guess. That's good. What else? I think it's something that appeals to you. That's something, but you know you, it's not really good for you. Something that appeals to you, but is not good for you. That is a really good definition. Really. So it appeals. There's that luring, but you know it's not good. A temptation is something that you want to do. But you don't want to want to do it, right? right? You don't want to want to do it. So, like, for instance, almost every Lent, I give up alcohol and sweets. Wow. I know. Somebody said, well, what, what, why, how is life even worth living? Uh, Easter's coming, I can promise you. Uh, but you know what? It's Lent, and I've decided I'm not going to have them. I'm not tempted. Somebody will, you know, I'll be, and you'll have a drink, or, or somebody will have dessert. Oh, I'm so sorry. I hope it, uh, it's not tempting. I, I, I have made the decision that I'm not going to. However, the rest of the year, if I am going to, if I just decide, well, I need to cut back. I need to, I, I need to have less desserts, or I need to 
only have two drinks a week instead of four drinks a week or whatever to cut back on calories. I gotta tell you, I mean, if there's if there's if there's a brownie sitting there, I'm eating that brownie. If there's if they, you know, I'm gonna look up in that cabinet and think, oh no, I'd probably I'm not quit counting this week. So, um, is it? is temptations when you don't want to want to, but you do want to. Um, you, like, for instance, Las Vegas. Not a land of temptation. Right? People go there to do the things that they want to... They, they, they just... They want it to stay in Las Vegas. It never does, by the way. But it's, you know, it's not tempting. You're, you're going to do it anyway. Um, you don't want to stay away from it. You go there to do it. That's not temptation. Temptation comes when we know we're not supposed to do something, or we know we said we weren't going to do something, but we, we want to go back on that word, right? So like, for instance, uh, I, was, you know, I was just thinking of examples. This is, this is not biographical, I promise. Um, but, you know, you and your neighbor are both happily married, uh, but there's this just electricity between you. And that can get dangerous. You don't want to want to, but you want to. But I think it's another thing to, to think about uh, temptation, not just physical things like sex or eating or, or anything like that, but emotional things. Like we can be tempted to jealousy. I don't want to be jealous, but I just feel jealous. I'm not, or I'm tempted to anger. Wow, I'm so angry with this person, but I just am. I don't want to be. The word in Greek is uh, perazo. And you don't need to know how to spell that or anything. A perazo. Uh, or that's to tempt to, to tempt to sin, or and, and the noun is para. Uh, it's like a temptation, but it also means a trial or a test. So um, you know, you, like if you want to, um, if you're trying your patience, or you're testing the strength of a bridge, it's all the same word. Uh, testing the strength of your character or your faith. And so when scribes come to test Jesus. This is the word, perazzo. Um, and af- actually, in the King James, if you read that, Jesus will often respond to them, why are you tempting me? But all, in the English Standard Version, or the Revised Standard Version, will say, Jesus say, why are you testing me? Something like that. Um, so in that sense, we can view a situation either as a negative, as a temptation we are going to succumb to, or as a positive, right? As a trial. Uh, that I, it's a situation I can overcome. Am I going to be strong? Is my faith strong enough? So, with all of that said, let's take a look at the temptation of Jesus. It's 11 verses. Would anybody like to read it for us? Okay, Connie's going to read that. She's, she's, she's the reader today, so go ahead. Yep, there you go. So if you guys can't hear, just, just follow along. Read, read there. Go ahead. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after, four, after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, 
Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus, thank you so much, Connie. So Jesus is uh, in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is a, is a really important number in Scripture, right? We, we see this, uh, where, where's, where do we see? In the flood, right. Uh, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. What's another place that we see the number 40 pretty prominently? The Exodus, right. The Exodus, that they wandered in the, in the desert uh, for 40 years. There's a few others in Anybody think of that? Well, Lent, Lent's not in Scripture, but, um, but it is 40 days because of Jesus' time in the wilderness. That's right. So Jesus was re uh, resurrected, and then ascension is 40 days uh, after, uh, 40 days after, after Easter. And I think it took Elijah 40 days <laughs> to walk from Mount Carmel and, and to flee to Mount Sinai uh, as well. Forty days, uh, or the number forty, just it just means a good long time. It it really isn't exactly specific, I don't think. Um, and, and so, it just means a, a little more than a month, or a little more than you know, I, I, you know so 40, 40 years, I guess. But it just means a long time, longer than it ought to be. Uh, in one sense. So, of course, Jesus' time in the wilderness for 40 days recalls the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So let me ask you, what, do you, what are some things, when you think of the, the story of the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years, what are some of the things that you think about? What are some of the images that come to mind? Pillar of fire, pillar of cloud. Say it again? Pillar of fire. Pillar of fire and pillar of cloud, for sure. The calf. The golden calf, that's right. They were worshiping the calf because Moses had gone off and they didn't know. Yeah. Manna in the wilderness, that's right. Mm -hmm. Water from the rock. Water from the rock. Manasseh, I think. Um, yeah, so lots of, lots of good stories there. But it really was a, a period marked by, by grumbling. Maybe it's just my own personality, but that's what I think uh, when I think about it. It was, it was, and you remember why they had to spend four they. 40 years in the desert. They came out of Egypt uh, and then they went uh, to Mount Sinai. They left Mount got their law. They went to, and they went to the promised land. And they sent spies across, 12 spies, one from each tribe. And um, Joshua and Caleb said, wow, we can, we can do this. But the other 10 said, those people are too big. We, are, we will never conquer uh, this land. And and." They didn't believe that the Lord could go before them. And so God said, because of your lack of faithfulness, you will be wandering uh, for 40 years. And, and the, uh, what that was was the first generation to come out of Exodus. They were all going to die off. And so everyone who went into the promised land was a second generation out, uh, out of Egypt. Um, they, they were in the wilderness because of unfaithfulness. Right? So they come... 
Think about this. They come up out of the land of Egypt and they pass through the waters of the Red Sea and they go into the promised land, but unfaith leads them to the wilderness. So out of Egypt, through the waters of the Red Sea. Jesus comes through the waters of baptism in, in the river Jordan and into the wilderness to succeed where Israel failed. Now why, why does Matthew highlight this? Because his theme is what? Fulfillment. A plus for Josh Preston. <laughs> Fulfillment. Jesus will be the perfect Son of God. Jesus will be the perfect Israel. Remember, uh, Israel is called God's son out of Egypt. I called my son. That's from Haggai. Or Habakkuk. I think it's Haggai. Um, and one of the H prophets. Now, if you, I don't know. I mean, when we went to the Mount of Temptation, it was it was um, on our pilgrimage right before the pandemic. It was incredibly stirring, and we only saw it from a distance. I encourage you, even right now, uh, to Google Mount of Temptation. Google image. Look at look at it. I always think of uh, the wilderness. I always thought of the wilderness as sort of this sort of um, dryish forest. Kind of, you know, lots of lots of grasses, maybe some trees. Let me tell you, it is nothing but dry dirt rock. And it is a giant mountain. And now they have, an, I think it's the Orthodox, they have actually carved a seminary, built this seminary right on the side of this mountain. It looks like, like this. And they put it right there because behind what they say is behind that seminary, behind the buildings that they've put on the, literally on the side of the mountain, is the cave where Jesus spent 40 days, 40 nights. I always thought of him wandering around in the woods. But he sat in a cave, completely barren. I mean, it's awful. Uh, and I can remember thinking, this looks so terrible. And Angela Atkins, on our trip, said he would have had absolutely nothing to distract him. And that was so profound. We had lots to distract us. That was the first place that I paid money to put Amy on a camel and walk around. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> but you think about how the Holy Spirit is about to fall upon, or, or has fall, fallen upon him just moments before, really, in baptism. He is about to inaugurate his ministry and march to the cross. Three years of ministry headed to the cross to be uh, the salvation for all of humanity and all of creation for across all time. He is going to be... This blows my mind. He's going to be the sacrifice that pays for all the sin of the world. And if you just do the math to think how much sin there is in the world, how much brokenness, I mean, it, would, it actually would just... It, if you really got our heads and our hearts around it, it would crush us to even think about it. And to think that he, had, if you just do the math, like that's a lot of righteousness. He has that much right. He has more than enough righteousness to be the sacrifice. But he's got to get himself ready. Remember, a few weeks ago we talked about the hypostatic union, 
uh, between um, that's that's the nature of Jesus as fully God and the nature of Jesus as fully man. That's the hypostatic union. And um, I know you all have been thinking about that since we talked about it. And um, but he's got to get the mind of the man synced with the mind of God. And so he spends time in this place where he could have had no distraction. In the cool of the cave, but no water and no food. Don't try this at home. But you can actually, you can live for 40 days without food. I do not think you can do it without water. I think that's basically impossible. And yet God, it says that the angels were ministering to him. It says that after Satan, and we'll see that at the very end. But God kept him alive. I mean, he was, he just, all he had was prayer. There's, a, there's an incredible scene in uh, at, at the, um, let me try to remember which one it is. Oh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. And they're heading across to the heavenly country. And they realize they can go days without eating or drinking because the light is so bright and it just feeds them. And I kind of think of that in this time. It, Jesus was so connected to the Father that it just fed him. And that's not really something that you and I have access to, I don't think. Not for 40 days, anyway. I don't like fasting. It makes me hungry. Um, <laughs> the longest I've, I've ever fasted is three days. Um, 24 hours is okay. The first like eight hours are really bad, and then and then three three days, you know. I, but I know people have done twenty days. I don't know anybody's done forty actual days. I know people have done, but they kind of you know, took a few snacks in the, in the middle, or they'll eat. They'll go to McDonald's and get a milkshake because it's drinking, not eating. I'm like, come on, I'm not sure. <laughs> Start over. Um, so he's got to get the mind of the man, Jesus, and the mind of God synced. But interestingly, this is not what the writers of the Gospels focus on. They focus on the temptation. And specifically, they focus on Jesus' victory over the wiles of the devil. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high... This is actually the, the epistle reading last week, I think. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus is the perfect Israel. He is the son that did what he was supposed to do, and therefore he is available to be the sacrifice. Now, before we look specifically at these temptations, let's get something out of the way. Is the devil real? Yes. yes. Absolutely. So again, C.S. Lewis in the Screw Tape Letters, which I highly recommend, but not <laughs> read it in small chunks because it kind of messes with your mind a little bit. What is um, it? It's called the Screw Tape Letters, and the senior devil is writing to the junior tempter uh, devil, and he uh, says, or demons, I guess, and he says the main thing is to convince they convince your subject the one you're tempting, that we don't exist. And it, it really is true. The devil is real. Now, he is not God's counterpart. He is, it's not like there's God and there's the devil and who's going to win. He is like a little gnat in a hurricane. Okay? He's an, he was an angel. 
fell from, from grace. And he wants the power and, uh, that God has, and he wants to undo everything. I don't really explain it. I'm sure I'll get to heaven and a few things I left out or got a little bit wrong about that. But, but his goal and his minion's goal is to um, pull us away from God. He hates God. And I would say that the devil, Satan himself, and his minions are not to be underestimated, nor are they to be overestimated. Yeah. We do not want to spend too much time worrying about it. We just want to know that if we call upon the Lord, that he is sufficient to save. I do not know too much about exorcisms and the oppression and casting out. And I don't know too. I've had some accidental experience with a little bit of that stuff. I do think that there is a demonic realm. I do think that devils do want to pull us away from God and sort of attach themselves. I do not think that we can be possessed by them um, if, if we have faith in Christ. No. But I don't really like, I mean, I think some theologians need to, but that's a very specific calling, and we don't need to underestimate the devil, nor do we need to overestimate. All right, but there is a showdown. The amount of temptation between Jesus, the Son of God, and the devil who wants his power. And so... After fasting for 40 days, I mean, he, he doesn't come to us in strength. He comes to us in weakness, at a, at, a, at a point of weakness for us. After fasting 40 days, I mean, Jesus would have been incredibly weak at this moment, not just physically, but you think emotionally as well. If you are the Son of God, and the construction of the, of the sentence means, I don't think you are. If you are, and I doubt it then make these stones become loaves of bread. Now it's interesting, he doesn't say, if you're hungry, make these stones become loaves of bread. He says, if you're the Son of God, make these stones become loaves of bread. I think it is more, this, it's multi-layered, and I think they're all multi-layered, these temptations are multi-layered, but it's more than an attempt to fill his balance, more than an attempt to appeal to his flesh. It is an attempt to appeal through his flesh to his power and to use his power for himself. But he did not come to use his power for himself. You never see Jesus doing a miracle that benefits Jesus. Everything Jesus does is for other people. Use your power. Just nobody's going to know it's just you and me. I'm not telling anybody. Just make this. Make these loaves into bread. And he comes back, Jesus comes back with quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. It is written. The tempter comes to him, and Jesus is his reflexive defense, his ammunition against the enemy is scripture. It's so ingrained in him. It is the source of his faith, it is the source of his truth, it is the plumb line when he might be confused. As a man, as God, God, he's confused. But in his humanity, we think, gosh, I don't, you're right, God, I could. Maybe I should. Make, I'm really hungry. Maybe I should make these. But remember, God in the wilderness provided the man, right? God, the Father, provided the man. And so for him to be the perfect son, he's got to wait for God to provide. 
He can't use the power for himself. Jesus knows that the, the grumbling Israelites in the wilderness were given the bread from heaven when they needed it, and he will be too. So man does not live upon bread alone, but by the very word of God. What do you, what do you get out of that? I mean, what, do, what do you see in that temptation? We can, we can understand the temptation, right? I mean, he's been hungry. What, what do you see? What, what strikes you as important? The spiritual is more important than the visceral. The spiritual is more important than the visceral or the physical, I guess. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the physical is important, right? I think in this case, the, the tempter is asking Jesus to rely on himself rather than to rely on God. Rely on himself rather than to rely on the, on the provision of the Father. That's right. Boy, that's a temptation for all of us. Not just bread. Bread's, bread's tempting enough, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. A little butter? Mm. <laughs> but, yes, I think, I think you're right. To do for myself because God is not going to do for me. So it's a tempt to a lack, temptation to a lack of faith. Temptation to pour out His power for Himself rather than for to wait on God. Now temptation number two. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This is like a vision, right? And the next one's a vision too. And said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. I don't understand that temptation. Does that seem very tempting to you? <laughs> hmm. Throw yourself down. For it is written, he... Okay, so now, now we got the devil quoting scripture. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and it's also written on their hands, the angels' hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You're good, Jesus. Just show me. Show me. If he's going to take you, you're not going to eat the bread because he's going to take care of you. Show me he's going to take care of you. I want to, so he, Satan quotes Psalm 91, and I want to read it for you. It's so beautiful. It is an incredible psalm of faith. He who, you're going to know a lot of these verses. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, one of the arrow that flies by day, one of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, one of the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look into your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion will, and the serpent will you will trample underfoot. Because He holds fast to me in love, I will deliver Him. I will protect Him 
because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. When you're in a, when you're in a bad way, this is a good psalm to turn to. What is it? Psalm 91. It is a wonderful psalm of deliverance, protection of faith. And what is safe? So why? I mean, you would think it's a pretty good one to draw on. Satan's just handing him something that, I mean, in his hunger and his despair and 40 days, you can, he's just handing him this wonderful piece of scripture. And yet, he's twisting it. What is the, what is the actual temptation? Because surely the temptation is not to jump off the temple. What, what is the temptation? He's testing the Trinity. He's testing the Trinity. I mean, I, that, now you have me intrigued, Professor. Tell me what you mean. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Okay. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yes. He's testing that, trying that. What else? He's testing God. He's testing Yes, now, now we're saying, is God going to come to the rescue? We're putting him in a scenario where God's going to have to prove his word, right? Asking Jesus to tempt God. Te- yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, let's just see. You know, he's going to give you this bread. He's so good to you. Let's just see how good he really is. Yes, Jane. Jesus is the word. And the word is being attacked. Jesus is the Word incarnate, and now the Word of God written is being attacked. That's right. So, his, in, a, in a sense, in a roundabout sort of systematic sense, his um, his character and his own self is being attacked. That's all right. I can go there. That's good. Yeah. That makes me think of uh, I don't know which of Paul's letters it is to one of the, the churches where he's writing to them because they're saying, since we're saved, since you know Jesus died for our sins and we're forgiven. We can kind of go do whatever we want as long as we have forgiveness afterwards. Yeah, and you're kind of flaunting that that protection from Jesus, and not really, you know, you're not, um, you're not repenting. You're not really living the, the purpose behind it. You're just, oh, I've got the, the get out free get out of jail free card, so I can do whatever I yeah. want. And it kind of feels like that's kind of the same temptation here a little bit. So for those, if you're listening online, you couldn't hear Josh. He said that, that essentially uh, there's a, a sense in which grace is fire insurance. And, uh, and, and you're, uh, it hasn't affected your life. You're, you're saying that I can do whatever I want and God's going to take care of me. But it actually uh, isn't penetrating to the place of expressing your faith. And I, I, that's, that's, that's a good parallel. I, I like that. Um, I think it is a temptation to to prove the Word of God rather than to let the, the Word prove itself. Um, and I think it perhaps is another temptation to prove that He's the Son of God, um, that the angels will in fact come to His rescue, that God the Father will send them, and that um, God the Father loves Him. Because you mad? Gosh, I mean, it's, there's not a lot of evidence out there in the rocks, you know, that, that uh, and no water, no food. Um, but it's to prove, I think the greatest temptation is to prove the goodness of God. And our temptation, perhaps, is to believe that Scripture is magic. Well, it says right here that uh, He will send His uh, protection over me, and therefore I can do whatever I want. You still have to use wisdom. God is going to demonstrate Him 
self as good. Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It's the same word. It's, it has an extra, um, um, not suffix, what's the prefix? Uh, it's ek parento, ek parento. And it means to prove. You should not prove the Lord your God. Put him to the test. God is going to demonstrate himself as good. We don't need to fabricate a scenario to force God's hand. Okay? And then finally, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, temptation number three. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I love to tell the story about my friend John Burwell, who's a priest in uh, South Carolina. He's uh, He is retired now, but before he went to seminary, he was a DJ, and, sh and, um, and I don't know exactly where he was, but he was uh, recruited. He has this incredible voice, although it sounds like Casey Kasem's preaching to you when, whenever he preaches. <laughs> Jesus loves you! Um, but, it's, uh, but he was, so he was, had this great radio voice, and he was invited uh, to Charlotte. He was back in the days before that, you know, you ever listen to the radio, you didn't have podcasts and stuff long time ago, and he, um, and he, and the radio executive takes him up to the highest building in Charlotte, and walked him over to the big plate glass and says, John, all this can be yours if you just come and be, uh, work for us, and he said, I'm, I had, to, I could not fill out my seminary application fast enough, so <laughs> what is the temptation, what is the temptation for Jesus here? To be like God, to be God, to be what He is, but okay. to be greater than. To be greater than God. I don't know. Okay. To avoid the cross. To avoid the cross. To get what He has coming to Him without going through the hardship. To have life without death preceding it. That is it. And there's a temptation to syncretism. He doesn't say you, don't, you have to quit worshiping the Father. Just worship me too. Like that's the whole history of Israel. They still worship God, but they had the Baals and they had the Asherah poles. You yes? Know, I've always been surprised that Jesus didn't say to Satan, it's not yours to give. Mm. The prince of this world. So Charlotte said, I've always been surprised that Jesus didn't say it's not yours to give. And yet there is sort of this ring of truth there that if, if he had worshipped him, that, that I mean like... People have sold their soul for a lot of power. Power can destroy. Yeah, absolute power corrupts absolutely. It is written, Jesus says, Worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And so, so I think the, the uh, temptation is, is especially to avoid the cross. Again, you can have all of humanity, Jesus, just worship. I'll give you everything you came here for. And it would have destroyed the Trinity. I mean, really, all of the Trinity hung in the balance. If the Son left the Father and gave Satan what he wanted. What do we see after the resurrection? Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples for me. Jesus knew that this was rightly his, but he could not get it before death and resurrection. And then it comes, says, after that, angels were ministering to him. What were they doing? Feeding him? 
<laughs> and catching him up, right? I tell you what, if I hadn't had anything to eat or drink, I wouldn't want to climb down that mountain. So, have a bath. Have a bath. Yeah, a little shower. Yeah, that's probably good. He went. Yeah, you might want to do this before you go to the baptism right now. So all. So what? What we want to hear out of this is that Jesus has succeeded, and therefore He's the perfect offering. And we also want to hear that because of that, because he's the perfect offering for our sins, because we therefore are justified before God and get clothed in his righteousness, that the Holy Spirit is with us to overcome temptation when we face it. We don't want to read this and say, well, Jesus faced his temptation, so you should too. We want to say that because we are in Christ, we can face temptation, and we can face it successfully. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 this, I can remember, I learned this in high school. My young life leaders were like, Joe, you need to learn this first. Um, no temptation has seized you. Well, I'm going to read that. I, I memorized the, the, the NIV. This is the ESV. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Meaning, everything you're struggling with, somebody else is struggling with. You're not alone. That's one of the great lies of the enemy. It's only you. Everybody else has it together. I can remember somebody, the Advent um, Cathedral where I was, big wealthy church, very dry cleaned church. Everybody was beautiful. And, um, and I can remember somebody coming to me with, with absolute, I mean, it's so nice to be in a place like this. But, um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Y'all are beautiful. Um, but, um, <laughs> in the name of the Father, so, uh, um, the, um, I just couldn't resist. Temptation. Temptation. That's right. But he came to me and he said, it's so hard to be in a place where everybody else's life is perfect. I was like, are you serious? I mean, do you know these people? Their life is a mess. They are beautiful on the outside. On the inside, they need Jesus, man. Dead man's bones. They need life the Spirit. And it was such a relief, frankly. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Whoa. Paul is saying, anytime you face temptation and give into it, you actually have the power within you by the Holy Spirit to overcome it. It also, that's bad news, because you need to repent we need to repent. But the good news is, when you face temptation this afternoon, watching the Jags game probably, then, then you actually have the ability to overcome that temptation. Because with temptation, with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Write it on your hearts. Zip it up. All right. So the temptation of Jesus shows us that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and that we can overcome temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, next week we're going to finish up Epiphany, finish up part two, which means we're going to finish chapter four. So the world meets the Messiah is next week. And then we'll start the Sermon on the Mount. That's easy stuff. All right, the Lord be with you. Go to church if you have not. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. God bless you.
Hey, hey, we're on your lovely tag show. Oh, they're off this week? <laughs> <laughs> hey, good news, you can't lose. <laughs>